Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the gospel lesson is like 10 times longer than normal, does that mean the sermon would be 10 times uh, longer? (laughs) So today is often called Palm Sunday. It's not, by the way. It's not 10 times longer. (laughs) Um, It's a little shorter. Um, The gospel uh, today, Sunday, is often called Palm Sunday, which is just fine. We... We have the procession at the beginning and, and we recount from John 12 and we have our palm crosses and, and we remember that Jesus was welcomed as a Messiah as he came into Jerusalem and the palms were, were waved and Hosanna uh, was, was cheered for him. Um, and that's where the name Palm Sunday comes from. And then, uh, but you'll notice in the bulletin, uh, in the bulletin you open it up and, and it says Sunday of the Passion. Well, both names apply and I think Sunday of the Passion is a better, you know, or Passion Sunday is, is actually a better description because that's why we had a gospel lesson that was two full chapters because this is the Passion of Christ and that's what we're, what we're marking uh, this, on this Sunday. <clears throat> we, we read the, the Passion account. Judas uh, agrees to betray Jesus and he makes a deal with the Jewish rulers. Jesus celebrates the Last Supper. Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. He's betrayed and arrested. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus appears before the council and before Pilate and before Herod. And then back before Pilate again. Pilate finds no guilt in him that's worthy of crucifixion. Yet the the people, and that is the people are the chief priests and rulers of the people cry out, crucify, crucify him. And thus was God incarnate, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, the beloved son, scourged, smitten, stricken, and afflicted, carried outside of Jerusalem to the place of the skull, Golgotha, And there he was crucified, dead, and then finally buried. This is why I think it's more fitting to call this Sunday Passion Sunday. There's a couple of contrasts I think that deserve to be highlighted uh, in this. First of all, I want to think about some other accounts from Jesus' ministry. So think about Jesus calming the storm. Do you remember that account? He's on the boat. He's sleeping. There's a like terrible storm. The apostles are terrified. Even, even some of these apostles were experienced fishermen. Surely they'd seen storms before. They're terrified. And they go to him to wake him up, Jesus. And of course, he calms the storm. He rebukes the storm. Okay, just keep that in your mind for a second. Let's think about the feeding of the 5,000. He's out preaching to the crowds, and there's so many people there. And the disciples say, we've got to send them away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, no, we'll, we'll feed them what we have here. No, Jesus, we didn't plan to feed 5,000 plus people. All we have is what we got here. And yet it was enough. And he performed a miracle, multiplying it and feeding them. But with these, these are just two two 
examples, and you can get many others that are like this, that might leave you with the perception that Jesus was just sort of taking things as they came, you know, and like, I don't want to say shooting from the hip because that can just sound really bad, but you almost kind of can get that sense. You know, that he's like, that he's just sort of taking it as it comes. But now it comes to this, uh, to this Passover, and there is no shooting from the hip. Everything is methodically planned. He knows exactly what he is doing when he comes into Jerusalem. It's not what the crowd thinks he's doing there. Because they didn't understand the mission of the Messiah at this stage. But he knows exactly what he's doing. And he tells the two... You know, there's little details in there. Like he tells two, go to the place. You'll see the guy with the water jug. Follow him to the house. Why did he just tell the two? Well, he couldn't be betrayed before he instituted the Last Supper. So Judas can't know. So he just has two. That way he can't be betrayed in the upper room. He even chooses, he's going to choose the place of his betrayal, which is going to be in the, in the uh, garden as he's praying. So he is not, he doesn't leave anything to chance in this. Everything is deliberate. He is working this deliberately. He's been journeying to, to Jerusalem. I mean, that's what we've been looking at as we go through Lent. Everything is Jesus deliberately marching onward to Jerusalem. And now he has arrived. And it's not being left to chance. Everything has been orchestrated. This first contrast, then, is, is a, uh, it's a false perception that Jesus was somehow ensnared into a trap. You know, we might have that misconception. No. I mean, he would have Satan believe that he had been caught in a trap. But the opposite is true. God intended this evil act of the crucifixion for good. As crazy as that sounds, yeah, this terrible evil act of the crucifixion was intended for good. All right, the second contrast I want to draw out is, um, is the people. From our uh, passage from John 12, the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after them. That's what the Pharisees said as Jesus made his triumphal entry and everyone's shouting, Hosanna. And the Pharisees say, you see, they're all going after him. We failed. And yet... At the same time, Jesus is betrayed by Judas. Judas is an apostle. He's one of those most intimately connected to Christ. So you have this, this paradox. They think that the world is going after him. Indeed, the world is going after Jesus. And yet it's one who's close to him, Judas, who will betray him. You might uh, ask yourself then again to uh, were they really following after Jesus, the Messiah? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Were they really following Jesus when they were shouting that? Yeah, they were. Uh, they, they were definitely, they, they were welcoming the Messiah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They were welcoming the Messiah into Jerusalem. They didn't understand fully what that meant because they didn't understand what the role and the mission of the Messiah would be at this stage of his ministry. But yes, they knew that they were welcoming the Messiah here. And I say they didn't understand fully because it says right in the text, 
from John's gospel, his disciples did not understand these things at first. So it took the events that follow this for them to properly understand what was happening when they were all shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Luke's account of the uh, triumphal entry, um, we we read John's uh, account from John 12, but in Luke's account, which is in Luke 19, um, the the scribe, uh, the uh, rulers actually said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Uh, To which Jesus' answer was, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. In other words, it was absolutely necessary that on this day, as he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, if, if the people wouldn't proclaim that the Messiah has arrived, the stones would cry it out. And this is also like a foretelling of what the stones will cry out when no stone was left unturned years later, 70 AD, when Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. It's, you know, he's sort of painting, uh, pointing forward to that time also here. Now that the Messiah has arrived in Jerusalem, he will absolutely be praised as the Messiah. But they don't understand the full implication, do they? They knew that they were welcoming the Messiah into Jerusalem. But what did they know um, about what the Messiah had come to Jerusalem to do? Did they understand what the Messiah was here to do? Did they know that the Messiah would suffer and die for their sins? Or were they expecting the Messiah who would restore Jerusalem to prestige among the nations? Expelling the, the, the Romans. They were an occupying power. They would expel them. He would expel them out. And he would take Jerusalem back and make a name for Israel. They wanted a ruler for their kingdom. That, that's what they were looking for. And they didn't understand that the Messiah first had to suffer. He first had to be the suffering servant. That's why Jesus says, said to his apostles, I am here to serve you, you know. Usually it's the one who reclines at table who is the great one, but it's I, I am here to serve you. <clears throat> I think we can empathize with um, the people. We are also confused at times. We look to Jesus to be the king that gives us a quiet and peaceful existence here and now. We're able to sympathize with Peter too as he denied Jesus three times. I mean, we might ask Peter, how could you deny him? But Peter could turn right around and say, well, for the same reason that you do. Really? Because it just would be terribly inconvenient for me to be crucified just now. So I'll just deny him. I mean, I see what's happening to him. I don't want that to happen to me. I mean, we can't even say we have crucifixion hanging over our heads. We deny Jesus for a lot simpler and sillier reasons than that when you think about it. Well, I don't want to offend anyone by talking too much about Jesus. It's not polite to talk religion, right? We don't, we don't want to just go around talking about Jesus. That's religion. I don't want to be labeled a zealot. 
right? Who wants that kind of baggage? I don't want to jeopardize my paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to jeopardize my paycheck by going around talking about Jesus. Oh, I don't want to alienate my neighbors. I don't want my neighbors to think I'm just some Jesus freak. I mean, he is your savior. Shouldn't you be shouting it from the rooftops? I mean, just take a moment to think about that. Think about the ways that you deny Jesus and know that I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing at myself. Think about the missed opportunities. Think about the sin, the sin that you give into. I mean, think about all those things, but now listen to me very carefully. Listen carefully. And I'm just about finished here. God knows every thought of your heart. He sees you and knows you better than anyone else ever could. He sees you and knows you better than you yourself know know you. And he has pronounced the verdict for your sin. Guilty. That's the verdict. You are guilty. He's also pronounced the sentence for your sin. The sentence for sin, for our sin, is eternal condemnation. That's what we're facing. But we're not facing it in Christ. The sentence for your sin is death on the cross. And it's not your death, but it's the death of Jesus Christ. And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. You know, that he emptied himself of his divine prerogatives, as described in the Philippians passage, um, is further evidenced by his prayer. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Do not think that he did not suffer. He suffered. Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ deliberately went to Jerusalem and to the cross to die for your sins. This supper that he prepared for you, this is the medicine of immortality. And he has given this for your souls, for your eternal well-being. Come and receive it with faith. Not the faith that clings to your own righteousness, but the faith that clings to the suffering and death of Jesus Christ for your sins. That is what Jesus was doing. He knew it. He did it. He went to the cross to take every single one of your sins, the ones you know and the ones you don't even know, and he took them to the cross and buried them there. So you're reconciled. And you come forward and you receive the sacrament with faith, knowing, trusting, and believing that with certainty. Stiff arm Satan. No, you can accuse me and you're right about all the bad things you say about me, but you're wrong about the Savior. He bled and died for me and I am forgiven on account of Christ. Not on account of me, but on account of him. He will not fail me. And thanks be to God for that. 
The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.